Welcome everyone to the Rethink It podcast, a podcast designed for equipping families and individuals struggling with brain health issues to identify practical, natural health science and lifestyle approaches to restore optimal brain health and prevent dementia. My podcast, my newsletter, my website, and my integrative practice all focus on providing down-to-earth solutions for upgrading and protecting brain health. This podcast is meant to supply women with brain fog and chronic health issues with the knowledge to choose affordable, effective tools and techniques that go beyond brain hacking. The goal is to preserve your quality of life, your health, your freedom, and your independence. I'm excited you're here today. I'm Sandy, your host for the next 30 minutes to an hour. guys, I ripped off that bandage and jumped into the podcasting world with my last podcast. Thank you guys for your patience as I learned to adjust the sound, the volume, and even projection into the mic. I really have no problem talking to large audiences in person, but it is a whole new world when I can't see you guys. Anyhow, I hope this episode and each subsequent one will be better than the last one as I work out the glitches of online recording. Thank you for being patient with me in the process. I felt that a good place to kick off the first few episodes is to lay some foundations of understanding. So in today's podcast, why do we call it a brain fart? Rethink the connection between gut health and brain health. I want to tackle the link between gut health and brain health. Many studies at this point have revealed the significant role that our gut plays in our brain health and how it affects the whole host of neurological conditions, including the burgeoning diagnoses of dementia, ADHD, and autism. Almost 10 years ago, while I was trying to heal my own ongoing autoimmune issues, I began studying this concept. I remember sitting at a local hospital library reviewing any medical study that I could get my hands on um, to look at the link between gut biome and autoimmunity. And I stumbled onto studies that connected the biome, that's the ecosystem of your digestive health, to neurological health. What I was shocked was to find was that it was these studies were like from the late 1990s, and they were in reputable journals like the American Journal of Gastroenterology and the American Journal of Psychiatry. These studies had made the connection between different types of bacteria and how they affected the health of your immune system leading to expression of certain cancers. They also linked certain bacteria to neurological disorders, ranging from schizophrenia to ADHD to dementia. In this episode, we will break down the most current research, make it relevant and practical, and I will share some experiences that I've had. Hopefully, you'll walk away with some easy and useful steps you can take towards healing your gut and your brain. So let's start with the gut-brain connection. And let's start by defining some terms. The gut-brain connection is a complex system of communication between the gut, the digestive system, and the brain. When we talk about the gut, we're literally describing the digestive system, beginning from the mouth and ending at the bottom. The gut or digestive system is home to trillions of bacteria that we call the gut microbiome. It's a diverse human ecosystem. I just think that's a beautiful description because that's exactly what it is. 
and it is wildly complex, as complex as some of the ones that the ecosystems that you notice when you look around in nature. Wildly complex. It plays a critical role in our overall health. The functions aren't limited to digestion. The gut also plays a role in the immune function. And as we will explore even in mental health, there is a good amount of research demonstrating the, the connection between the interconnectedness of the gut and the brain. One recent study con conducted by UCLA at UCLA found that the changes in the gut microbiota alter brain function and behavior in mice. That's a quote unquote. When we think about the brain, we can easily understand why it's considered the control center of our body. The central nervous system coordinates all of our thoughts, feelings, and movements. The brain and the gut are connected in various ways, but one clear pathway is a network of nerves called the vagus nerve. There's a lot of talk about these days about the vagus nerve since it's involved in important actions of causing the body to be in a state of rest and digest. But let's keep it simple and focus on the gut-brain connection today, okay? This nerve acts as a two-way communication highway between the gut and the brain, allowing them to communicate with each other. We will talk more about the vagus nerve in future podcasts because a healthy vagus nerve is another important piece of a health puzzle, of your health puzzle. But for now, just keep in mind that the vagus nerve communicates between the gut and the brain in a bi-directional way, meaning the brain can send signals down the vagus nerve and the gut can send signals to the brain. Have you ever been so scared that you can't go to the bathroom for days? Or maybe you've had test anxiety that disrupted your bowel functions? That would be me. <laughs> I am definitely an anxious tester. Um, what may be less obvious to you, though, is that when the gut gets colonized with yeast and bad bacteria, or maybe even has experiencing some trauma or has experienced trauma, this can affect our emotions, our thinking, and our reasoning. So your gut can affect the way the brain functions, not just the other way around, which most people think. Research has shown that the health of our gut microbiome can absolutely impact our health, our brain health. For example, a study found that mice that had an unhealthy gut microbiome exhibited more anxiety-like behavior than mice that had a healthy one. Another study showed that people with depression had lower levels of certain bacteria in their gut than those without depression. I promise I'll provide a link to all these studies for you researchers out there on the website show notes if you want them. When I re review labs with my clients, it's always interesting to see, uh, for me to see how the breakdown of the type and number of bacteria found in the gut are linked to specific health conditions. For example, low numbers of a bacteria called bifidobacteria species is linked to celiac disease, autism, Alzheimer's. Meanwhile, high levels of enterobacteriaceae species are linked to Parkinson's. Other specific bacteria are linked directly to depression. How the gut fully impacts the brain is complex. For example, while we know that there is a clear connection to the gut via the vagus nerve, we also know that the gut bacteria help produce neurotransmitters like serotonin. That's our happy hormone. In fact, there are recent studies that suggest that 90% of your body's serotonin is produced in the gut. When the gut microbiome is imbalanced, 
it can impact the production of these neurotransmitters. And that leads to mood changes and even depression. Your gut is a primary driver in your immune system. It's your second brain, it's your largest hormone balancing organ, and it is your number one source of energy and detoxification. So let's look at the link between gut health and dementia. Dementia is a condition that affects millions of people worldwide and can have a devastating impact on the quality of life. And I'll emphasize this fact in every single episode. The rate of early dementia is rising at an exponential rate. At an exponential rate. And we're talking about dementia that affects 30 to 64 year olds. We're not talking about 65 plus. <laughs> so this illness is a particularly personal one to me because I lost one of my dearest people to dementia in 2020. My mother-in-law began um, complaining about brain farts over 20 years ago. To be honest, she was one of the, the inspirations of why I work with women with chronic fatigue and Lyme today. She was actually diagnosed with chronic fatigue in her mid-30s, which in the 1970s was an uncommon diagnosis. When I joined the family and met her, she was a ball of energy. Always the picture of elegance and class. She wore her hair in a, in a, a teased beehive until the last few years of her life. How many people do you see walking around with a beehive? <laughs> She was fast-witted, hilarious, and the most generous person I've ever known. When she was about 64, she started to tell me that she thought she was starting to slip. That was her quote, I'm starting to slip. And she was very concerned about developing dementia. We watched her become more and more forgetful as the years went by, and she started on an Alzheimer's medication when she was around 74. And we noticed that she would have consistent periods of oblivion. Um, and what was interesting was that she also had hours in the morning where she seemed completely normal and in a clear mind. She was open to trying pretty much most anything to support her health, so I made some basic lifestyle recommendations. We switched her off her tap water, <laughs> her diet coke, and most of her processed foods. We would drive to, to her home deliver distilled water, fill her supplement container for, uh, for the next few weeks. And over the course of a few months, she actually did improve significantly. Unfortunately, she didn't have the support of her husband. He was a retired physician. He told her that there was not any evidence that vitamins and supplements did anything. And they stopped them about nine months later. Unfortunately, the, as quickly as we'd seen the improvement, we saw an even more rapid decline in her cognitive health in the months following that, and they ended up moving into assisted care about a year later. And it was heartbreaking to watch helplessly um, as she declined and began to lose the person that I was, you know, I was so close to. I was really close to my mother-in-law. While most research indicates that there is currently no medical cure for dementia, there are steps that can be taken to reduce the risk of developing it. Research shows that the changes in the brain that lead to dementia occur 20 years before your first symptom emerges. Y'all, 20 years. <laughs> so we're in our 40s and our kids are, you know, young. <laughs> yeah, that's when your brain fog um, in your 40s actually has a, a significant impact later on in life. So your brain fog 
in your late 30s and 40s, it can be significantly more important than you think it is. Since we know that gut health and brain health are connected, it's not surprising that there is a there's promising research showing that a healthy gut can lead to a lower risk of dementia. Recent studies have suggested that the health of the gut microbiome may be closely linked to the health of the brain, and that changes in the gut microbiome may be associated with an increased risk of cognitive decline and dementia. We already talked about how the gut is responsible for making important neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine, but the bacteria in the gut is also responsible for making something called short-chain fatty acids. Short-chain fatty acids have an anti-inflammatory effect and provide neuroprotective properties in helping prevent cognitive decline. These fatty acids are produced by a very specific bacteria, which is why low numbers of those bacteria contribute to the risk of dementia. A study published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease in 2020 found that probiotics may help to improve cognitive function in individuals with Alzheimer's. This particular study involved 52 participants, and they were given a daily probiotic supplement for 12 weeks, and there was also a control group. The results showed that the probiotic group had significant improvements in cognitive function compared to the control group. Probiotics were one of the supplements that I was giving my mother-in-law, by the way, when she was improving. Overall, there's a solid body of evidence suggesting that the health of your gut microbiome may be closely linked to the health of your brain. So taking steps to maintain a healthy gut may help reduce the risk of cognitive decline and dementia. The effect of a healthy gut doesn't just contribute to dementia, though. It also contributes to current brain health and it can be altered um, when you support your digestive health. So let's look at the link between gut health and ADHD. Did you know that one in six kids are diagnosed with a developmental disorder? That is a huge number. ADHD is one of those developmental disorders. ADHD affects both children and adults. As any mom with ADHD kids knows, it is characterized by symptoms of inattention, hyperactivity, and impulsivity. Probably that's the worst one. I think that's the worst one. <laughs> and it can impact all areas of a person's life. Honestly, there's not a single cause, not a singular cause of ADHD. Instead, there are many potential causes. They really, to really get to the bottom of the cause for each individual, you have to become a real investigator. And the solution may be different for each person. We can honestly do a full segment on this alone, and I, I will be doing one in the future. So for now, let's just stick to what we know about, about gut health and ADHD. The literature does consistently show that gut health contributes to reduced symptoms of ADHD. One study conducted in the University of Colorado found that children with ADHD have a different gut microbiome than their peers without the condition. In the same vein, a study from 2017 published in the Journal of Child Psychology and Psychiatry analyzed the gut microbiome of children with and without ADHD. They found that the gut biome of children with ADHD was significantly different than that of kids without it. 
Specifically, they found low levels of certain bacteria and high levels of harmful bacteria in the guts of the children with ADHD. And a similar public um, study was published in 2020 that showed the same thing in adults. So this, this is very well researched. Um, that's the point. I don't want to bore you with all the studies, but I just want you to be confident that there are mountains of research. So let's, let's talk about, uh, there was a one other study that was done and conducted by the University of Maryland, and it found that children with ADHD who were given probiotics similar to the dementia study, that they showed significant improvements in their symptoms. There are many, many more studies that we could look at, but you get the point. The studies, the studies suggest that an imbalance in the gut microbiome, along with inflammation, play an important role in the development and exacerbation of ADHD symptoms. As a mom of three kids on the ADHD spectrum, I have seen firsthand the massive difference it makes when you focus on your kids' digestive health. To any moms listening out there, don't give up hope. Your child can thrive without medications, and you have more power than you think to help them heal. But let's look at the link between gut health and autism. So let's shift gears and look at one brain health condition associated with chronic brain inflammation, autism. Autism is a complex disorder that affects communication, social interaction, and behavior and has a huge and lasting impact not only on the child, but the entire family and community surrounding them. According to the CDC, um, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, one in 44 children in the United States are diagnosed with autism. These numbers are definitely not considered to be exact or up-to-date, with many suggesting the actual number of children affected with autism is closer to 1 in 30. Current research as of 2020 shows it's about 1 in 36 and climbing. The point is it's, it's becoming increasingly common. And when I graduated from PA school in 20, 2004, I remember learning that it was a very uncommon diagnosis, not one that we would often see, and it was one in 1,000. This was in 2004. We're talking about 20 years ago. <laughs> so you can see that that's a big difference between one in 1,000 and one in 36. As we touched on earlier, the balance of the types and quantities of bacteria in your gut contribute to the health of your brain. The studies looking at the microbiome of autism only confirm this. Many studies have shown that the gut flora of children with autism are different than typically developing children. One interesting study published in the Cell Journal um, actually took the flora of mice that exhibited autism behaviors and put them into neurotypical mice. And those mice then began to express autism traits as well. In addition, there are several clinical trials examining the use of probiotics to improve gut health in individuals with autism. When we look at, at clinical trials, you can really see a direct impact of the things being tested. So a clinical trial carries a little bit more weight for me than any other type of research. One clinical trial published in the Journal of Nutrients found that a probiotic supplement improved symptoms of autism in children. The study involved 40 children with autism, which is honestly a decent sized number for a study. And these kids were given either a probiotic supplement or a placebo for 16 weeks. The children received the probiotic supplement showed improvements in communication and social skills and behaviors compared to those in the placebo group. 
there's another even bigger clinical trial um, that was published in the uh, Journal of Scientific Reports that confirmed that a very specific strain of probiotics, that one that we talked about earlier, Bifidobacterium bifidum, had a direct impact on the brain health of autism. In the study, they showed gut symptoms and autism symptoms in children who were given this strain. The study involved 83 children with autism who were either given that bifidobacterium or a placebo for 12 weeks. The children who received the probiotics showed significant improvements in not just brain health, but GI health, sleep, and social interaction. The connection between gut health and brain health is a fascinating topic, and current research offers valuable insights into how the gut-brain axis affects a wide range of neurological conditions. But you guys probably didn't jump on this podcast to listen to an academic lecture about research. You are probably asking what you can do to support your gut and hopefully prevent or reverse some brain changes that you're currently facing. You always hear me start with some basics, right? Clean air, clean food, clean water. So start taking inventory of what you are surrounded by on a daily basis. What kind of air are you breathing? Are you drinking tap water like I did for many years and like my mother-in-law did? Are you buying a lot of processed and organic foods? Honestly, that's an important step. And for some, that alone is, an, is overwhelming enough. I was so overwhelmed when I started, so take heart. Believe me, you're not alone. <laughs> but how do we care for our gut, Sandy? You heard a lot about the microbiome today, and although bacteria is an important step, there is more to the picture of overall gut health. I will make some recommendations about a few um, spore-based probiotics, um, and I'll probably list those for you guys in the show notes. That'll make it easier for you guys just to find a good solid resource. Um, but and you can guys can at least start working on that part of the foundational bacterial health of your gut. Um, and I'm a, if there's any discount codes I have available, those will be listed in my. Um, show notes as well so you guys look for that okay all right so but not to sound like a primary care provider but there are some important steps that you can take to supporting your gut and I would start with diet and exercise <laughs> they're absolutely the first place to start with getting your gut healthy the difference is when I recommended changing your diet when I recommend changing your diet these days unlike when I was actually in primary care medicine I mean something very different. I mean starting with reducing chemicals, like take things out and put things in, right? Start reducing the chemicals, take those out in your food. Cut out processed foods like that are high in trans fats. Oils like canola, generic vegetable oil, they're all inflammation producers. Switch those up for a good quality olive oil or coconut oil. What goes in your food is also important. Try to eat a diet that is rich in fruits, vegetables, and whole grains, and healthy natural fibers. This, is, this will support the production of those anti-inflammatory short-chain fatty acids that we talked about, and that will help heal the inflammation of your gut and your brain. Fiber is also really important because it promotes the growth of um, those happy, healthy bacteria in your gut. And no, I don't mean ch go chug some Metamucil. Please don't do that. <laughs> Get your fiber from your food. And if you're already taking a good quality probiotic, you may occasionally add a prebiotic fiber supplement to feed those healthy bugs and get them going. 
Adding some raw veggies and fruits will also provide crucial digestive plant enzymes, which are also very important to good gut health, and they help drive the healthy metabolism. Enzymes are critical for proper absorption of minerals, for converting hormones correctly, and for clearing cellular toxins. When it comes to exercise, I would, I would respect two things. The timing of your exercise and the regularity of it. Women, you need your sleep. If you're a boss babe mom who um, has to go to work out really early in the morning, and the, then, then, then you need to learn to honor your body enough to get to bed in time to get your full eight hours, at least eight hours of sleep. Your adrenals will thank you, and so will your digestive system. We're going to talk a little bit more about how important that is to your hormone health, which affects your brain as well, and future podcasts, so stay tuned. But your adrenals are really, really important. And you boss babes out there, you need to love your adrenals, <laughs> okay? When I was trying to lose weight during a time that I was dealing with breast implant illness, I was getting up two to three days a week at 5 a.m. to exercise. I was not making any progress with my weight, primarily because my body was already in a constant state of fight or flight from dealing with the side effects of silicone toxicity. But then on top of that, I was stressing my adrenals early in the morning during the time of day that your kidneys are the most active doing their job of detoxification. For those who may not know, your adrenal glands sit directly on top of your kidneys. The timing of my exercise was off for the needs of my body. My point is this, move your body, but be loving toward it in the process. Moving your body helps move your bowels in a healthy way and is the number one most effective way to boost the production of something called brain-derived neurotrophic factor. BDNF it is getting loads of press recently because of the research showing that it promotes um, the survival of brain cells and other neurons, which is super relevant to those wanting to prevent dementia or any kind of cognitive decline. And guess what? Moving makes you produce it. So guess what? It's free <laughs> if you move your body. People often say, listen to your body. And I agree. This is a hard practice for women or even for men who are goal-setting athletes who like to push and train for the next big race or event. But it is necessary. There is a reason that many professional athletes retire early with less than optimal health. They are not afforded the privilege of listening to their body. If you're dealing with chronic brain fog or fatigue, your body is telling you that it is dealing with something chronic. In order to love your adrenals while your body tries to heal, move your body, but don't burn it. To bring it all full circle, there are mountains of evidence demonstrating that healthy gut is necessary for a healthy brain and to prevent dementia. In the last episode, I challenged you to start paying attention to what, what was in your food. I want you to continue with that challenge, but I want to leave you with a simple challenge this time as well. This time, check your oils. Check the oil. <laughs> what are you cooking with? Are you using canola or vegetable oil? If so, dump those in favor of, say, olive oil, avocado oil, beef or duck tallow when you're cooking. Okay, switch to grass-fed butter or virgin oil, extra virgin, sorry, extra virgin coconut oil when you're baking. In fact, 
I get so many compliments on on my cakes and I live at altitude you guys because I cook with coconut oil I use that and it tastes it just adds a flavor it doesn't taste coconutty it just adds a flavor that's complex and different to your cake so if you'd love to cook or bake try some coconut oil so let me know um, when you do ditch those processed oils by commenting on this podcast or on our Instagram or Facebook pages be sure to send me some questions if you have them I hope that this um, discussion today has really helped you begin to see the ways that you can improve your digestive and cognitive health with easy lifestyle adjustments of course supplementation is super helpful as well and we will touch more on those in future podcasts so stay tuned my hope is that this podcast has left you with a few new insights hopefully some encouragement and most importantly some actionable steps forward toward healing your body and your brain If you found this content helpful, please do not forget to give us a like and a share and share it with someone you you know might benefit from it. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I look forward to spending some time with you again soon. Until then, celebrate the small victories. There really is hope for lasting healing.